Kaisha or Jeshula. That changed quick. No gnats needed for most places. Just scan and keep on going. But cafes and some restaurants still need you to be uh, negative natted within the last 48 hours. When will China open its borders? When will it let people have passports again? Heard a few people taken off for the holidays. Let's hope they come back. <laughs> Delta prep, last day, uh, literally like 10 hours left until the test starts. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I want it over with, but um, I could no more. And, oh my goodness, baklava, sent from Taiyuan, desserts are going, and I hope you are enjoying my efforts at December drumming so far. Folks, it is Tuesday, December 6, 2022. I'm Stephen Sersky. Hope you're doing well and uh, staying warm and not sick because apparently uh, with the um, the ending of COVID, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It's it's just a C, it's influenza. It's, it's no longer category A or class A. There's three categories they have or three classes. Or is it categories and classes? I, yeah, I was trying to read this and understand like, so wait a minute. What? <laughs> a, B, and C. Currently, we're at uh, like uh, coronaviruses. Uh, COVID-19 is category A, it's going to be downgraded to category B, which is like, you know, kind of similar to AIDS and stuff like that. You know, not so serious, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, it is kind of like how they were treating it. Um, let's see, COVID could now be downgraded from category A disease to category category, category B. Uh, so category A diseases in China include, oh, sorry, I was wrong, include bubonic plague, cholera, and, oh, while SARS, AIDS, and anthrax are category B, so we're moving coronavirus down to category B, category B and category C is uh, influenza, leprosy, and mumps. Infectious diseases that can be easily spread have a high fatality rate are classified as class A. So we're class A, category A? Is that what it is? All right, so this is uh, actually taken... From The Guardian, which is republished by Expat Focus here in China. Anyway, well, the point being is that all of a sudden, uh, within the last week since the grand gatherings of the people who voiced their opinion nice and loud around the country, uh, literally overnight, this virus has been recategorized, reclassified, not classified, but reclassed, and... Now, you, it's very difficult to get a NAT test. You can still get them. Sometimes they show up in your health kit. Sometimes they don't. And, uh, oh, yeah, all of a sudden, the building management uh, emails you and says, we don't need to see NAT uh, results anymore. It's okay. Just come on in. What happened? Oh, we, nine days. Ten days, and this whole thing changed. Uh, did Canada change this quickly? I don't know. If you're going to go, if you know people overseas, by that I mean like in your hometown or home countries, homelands, like was there this same sort of about face change that happened in COVID measures and stuff like that? I know, I know in uh, in Canada we had a huge trucker rally. It wasn't a rally; it's a protest, and they pl plugged up um, the whole like Western corridor basically of uh, uh, the highways. Uh, and went to Ottawa, showed up in Ottawa, and Justin Trudeau, uh, the prime minister in charge, he's like, you shouldn't be, you're not allowed to do this, you can't protest like this, this is illegal. <laughs> but in the gatherings in China, he's like, hey, 
they deserve. You know, that's free speech. Bit of a, um, a contradiction. Now, um, to be fair, um, the, the the protests in Canada did have a lot of trucks involved, and they were blocking off like everything. And the, I guess the issue with that one was that uh, they were blocking off um, roads, like so access roads, so like even ambulances and fire trucks couldn't get around. So that's where they get the legal sort of a problem with this. Uh, but here in China, gatherings of peoples. I mean, yeah, what were they what were they saying? Three years is enough, basically. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost shocking to tell you the truth that all of a sudden we went from, we're all going to die and you have to, uh, QR code and track and everything and get, uh, um, vaccinated and don't touch people and stay at home and work at home and everything. But, uh, now it's like 10 days later, it's like, ah, you know, it's just the flu. That being said, uh, that being said, there are two or three people I know right now uh, who have said that they are sick, that they are physically ill, and that they're getting these COVID COVID uh, antigen tests, uh, like they're getting them delivered from YMI because they're sold out in the from the pharmacy. So all these these nasal swab tests that I was talking about before, um, they're all sold out. But uh, now these people are getting sick, and I, I kind of wonder if it's. Like not, it's not, it might be COVID, could be, but it might also be that the fact that we have missed basically two flu seasons and all of a sudden with, that maybe even possibly that the most recent COVID flare-up wasn't really a COVID flare-up, it was a, an influenza flare-up. So right in line with U.S. Thanksgiving, right in line with the change of weather, the big change of weather that's happening. And I've been complaining about the, the cold weather for the last little while. Uh, and even this morning, it was still kind of cold. Uh, but um, maybe it was just sort of a seasonal influenza uh, wave of flu that went through, um, not, I mean, all over the country, but through here in Beijing, because that's, I mean, this is my sample size here. It's like a couple of these people that I know, um, they are actually uh, they said that they're sick, that they, they feel physically ill, so, which is typically a sign of the flu, basically. But up until now, if you said that to anybody, they'd cover their mouth and walk away from you very quickly. You sick man and woman. Oh, my goodness. COVID you. You're not vaccinated. How dare you try to plague us all. Implagnate us? Are you trying to implagnate us? Anyway. So when will China open its borders? So uh, a couple, was it last week? I was saying that October 1st, 2022 marked the day when a lot of these countries, Thailand, Canada, Japan, a lot, there's other countries as well, uh, they don't need proof of vaccination anymore. When will China do this? There's um, a big investor guy in Canada, Eric Nuttall. I've talked about him before. Big on uh, Canadian energy stocks. He's saying that the price of oil is being is not artificially being suppressed, but it is experiencing a suppression because China has remained closed and OPEC keeps on pumping out all of the oil. Wherein once the Russian reserves are depleted and the sanctions actually hit them hard, Canada is going to benefit from these uh, uh, from this sort of mixture. Of happenings, um, so they, you know, the energy companies will be able to uh, finally get their their product to market. 
Although, if you ask the Canadian uh, voters, especially the conservative ranks and amongst the, in the commodities industries such as uh, agriculture and uh, energy, um, they'll say, "Well, if we had a better running government to put the pipelines from the source to the to the oceans, you know, to the ports, basically, um, then yeah, Canada could export a lot more." But r- right now, it's landlocked, and the the big pipeline going to the states has been uh, Keystone XL and places like that uh, have been hotly contested conveniently by First Nations uh, tribes that are saying that's going to be an environmental disaster going across ancestral lands. Meanwhile, the states runs pipelines and networks all over the country. Uh, I can't help but think that there's a little bit of political shenanigans going on in the background. Anyway, I have been uh, informed that a few people have uh, are, are going going home for a little while, going back for uh, a couple of weeks, going for the Christmas holidays, I guess. Uh, Britain, uh, France was no, uh, mentioned as well. This guy, he has a flight tomorrow, and he's like, yeah, I had to go to the airport this morning to get tested because the tent outside that we have on our compound didn't return the results that he took f- a couple of days ago. I'm like, oh, shoot, well, I need this thing tomorrow as well. Uh, so safe travels to you folks who are leaving this fair land. Let's hope you return. <laughs> And I don't like I don't say you're not going to have a safe journey. I'm saying that. Hope you don't get too comfortable back over there. And be like you know what, this is kind of nice being back here. <laughs> I understand everything. <laughs> I don't have. I am not constantly misunderstood when I'm trying to get change or ask when store hours are or where the local NAT station is, right? Or the opposite could happen. You might be like, ah. Oh, I really do like not being able to understand everybody. A lot of things that people say, I don't need to hear. Who knows? Delta Prep, last day, finally. Oh my goodness. I know I should know more. I know I could have done more. I know I could have done more reading. But I think of the last three months and I go, it it got kind of exhausting. It wasn't bad. Like, I don't think I've ever really got tired, to tell you the truth. I probably could have read more. The most intimidating sort of things that I found for this Delta Module 1 prep, uh, and to quickly go over this, Delta Module 1 is this diploma for uh, ESL teachers uh, that uh, puts them on the track to either being towards administration or materials development. Now, I'm more interested in materials development than I am administration, uh, as I don't want to manage people, to tell you the truth. Um, but uh, it, it's meant to be, module one is more theoretical. So there's a lot of uh, methodologies, a lot of language learning theories in general. Second language acquisition is a huge topic. So not just, I mean, English is the one that's studied the most, but it applies to a lot of different, uh, so if anyone grows up in a, another language, if they're learning another language, there's a sort of certain stages they go through, certain development patterns that second language learners in general exhibit. Again, most of these studies have been done uh, for um, students and learners who are studying English. So this, I mean, I could have done more of the essential reading because it wasn't boring. It was just a lot to read within three months and working full-time doing these podcasts and stuff like that. And a lot of, it was it was difficult to sort of um, make sure I was covering all the bases. Now, uh, the most intimidating portions of this Delta Module 1 prep 
was the, the grammar. So there's two books that uh, I sort of always kind of shied away from wanting to open because they were very intimidating. Uh, one was the uh, Grammar for English Language Teachers by uh, Martin Parrott. The second one is uh, About Language by Scott Thornbury, which is a very... Both of them are intensive reads because there's like not a wasted word in these books. And so if you open them, you have to be prepared. Like when you open it, you have to work through it and it requires your, your brain to think. <laughs> it requires you to actually uh, think about what's going on uh, and uh, participate, which is just terrible as an adult. You're like, you know, you encourage children to participate in things. You don't want you yourself as like a working person. You're like, you don't want to participate unless you get paid for it, basically, right? Like, I'll do it if I get paid. But if I'm not going to get paid, do I have to do it? <laughs> it is that mentality, very much literally. Now, not to say that I don't participate in things because I get, you know, doing these podcasts and stuff kept me busy. And now I got December drumming going on as well. And I would like to say that I'd, I'd rather spend more time on that. But again, even with this Delta prep, um, I kind of think like even if I had another three months to do it, which would be too long to tell you the truth, another month, um, I think I could cover a lot more bases to tell you the truth, do a lot more of the reading. A lot of it gets repetitive, but at the same time, uh, I, I could see myself continuing on reading this stuff just because it's that dorky nature, that, that language analysis type stuff that um, can be interesting if you're interested in that sort of thing. If you're not, then you'll be like, okay, thank goodness this is done. <laughs> um, but as I mentioned, um, so the, uh, the test is tomorrow, Wednesday morning. Uh, don't need an NAT test uh, to get into the building anymore, which is good because that had me kind of panicking this morning. My only other panic uh, would be getting Starbucks tomorrow at the location. Uh, number two, should I take the bike and what time do I have to leave? Because I don't have to leave until 8.30, but if I leave at 8.30, there's like no bikes and traffic is just crazy at that point. Uh, so it's, that, that's a, that's a, oh, that's a tough call. Uh, number three, the th other thing that's sort of getting me to, you know, wondering whether or not I can do any more phonemic chart, I should still, like, it's not worth very much overall, but it just gives you that extra edge, uh, on your, your papers. Uh, I got to read a little bit more from like about the different grammars and the methodologies. Um, I, I need to solidify what finite and non-finite verbs are. Non-finite verbs basically don't take, uh, they don't show a tense or uh, duration. They don't show, they don't take a subject. Uh, they don't have a subject. They don't take objects. Um, but uh, no, they don't take subjects. But uh, they are used to non-finitely. <laughs> Finite verbs are they, they denote the subject and the object. They uh, show like a, the time or the tense or the aspect of it. Like if he was taking is a, um, a, a finite verb. Um, taking the hat. Taking is not, is a non-finite verb there. It's actually a gerundive, I believe. And these are the things that I have to think about. So uh, feeling a lot more comfor uh, comfortable and confident about these things overall. But... Um, did another practice test today, and I was, uh, took, paper one took me an hour, paper two took me an hour and a half straight writing, and that, that got to be a lot, I was just like, at the end of it, I'm like, I'm not even, my hand was hurting, I'm like, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, now on the upside, compared to the first time I did one of these tests, these practice tests, I'm moving a lot faster, 
uh, and it's a lot more clear. It's a little bit more automatic, a little bit more mechanical uh, of what's expected for each section. Like I don't have to think, I don't have to read the rubric, uh, the question uh, as closely because if you understand the structure and understand what's expected of you, you can sort of go, okay, well, I'm on paper one, task three, paper one, task five, paper two, task two sort of things. You, you can sort of understand what's expected of you at certain points of this test. And knowing that, you kind of can uh, start to work, even your first impressions of what uh, the question is asking, you can start writing down something. Now, that being said, you're super, you're, you are supposed to work through the questions, the rubric, uh, and like the sample materials that they gave you on your own very quickly in the test. Very difficult to do because uh, you, you, but I mean, as a native speaker or as an English teacher, English, an ESL instructor, you you basically should know this stuff anyway, right? Like you should be able to, if you're teaching English, then you should be able to look at a textbook, a page of a textbook and go, hmm, this is good. This is not good. Why is it good? Why is it bad? What are these people thinking when they're creating these exercises and stuff like that? Or, you know, the administration hands you a test to give to the students. You're like, the fuck is this? This thing doesn't, this doesn't test anything that they've been t- uh, uh, going on. It's like, well, yeah, but we got sponsorship. <laughs> oh, so it's a sponsorship validity. That validity, that's what it is. It's valid because it makes us money. That's a cynical approach, isn't it? <laughs> uh, on the upside, also I have been studying a lot of um, uh, the terminology as of late using Quizlet, which I thought would be a lot more intimidating. But uh, after doing all this essential reading over the last couple months, again, as I said yesterday, the vocab, the terminology for the stuff is a lot easier. It's now about making sure it flows out of the pen onto the paper a little bit easier than having to think and go oh that's what the right it's a subordinating conditional subordinating conjunction there you go that's the one not that's you yeah so you got to write that stuff then you got to write up the full words too you can't abbreviate the stuff or else they'd be like i can't read it and just cross it out actually don't even cross it out they skip it (sighs) on the upside baklava and tell you guys about this, but uh, on the uh, actually yesterday, two days ago, whatever it was, um, received my order of baklava from Tai Yuan. Now, if you're in China, you're like, what? Why is it from Tai Yuan? <laughs> What's in Tai Yuan that you're getting baklava from? I haven't clarified uh, who, where, what the nationality this lady is. Uh, it's not uh, the Eastern Slavic region or language that is beside Ukraine. Uh, it is, I think it might be Georgian to tell you the truth, uh, but I'm going to have to clear, I'm going to have to clarify this a lot. Um, but fantastic baklava. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so baklava is like that Greek baklava or Tur- Turkish baklava, whoever owns it, whoever wants to lay claim, cultural claim to it, uh, go for it. Uh, 180 kwai for one kilo of this stuff, proper worth it, much better than the stuff that you get here in Beijing, much cheaper, like baklava at the restaurant here is like 45 kwai per piece. And here I got two oh, a kilo of it for 180. <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, and then she also makes these wal- these sugar walnut sticks. So it's like a string of walnuts coated in some sort of sugar. It's like brown sugar, but it's not very sweet sugar. So it, I'd actually expected it to be a lot sweeter, to tell you the truth. Um, but it seems a little bit more healthy than it is, which is fine. That's, uh, gotcha. Good. 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 Uh, so yeah, very well worth it. Uh, um, this is, of course, I found this through one of these uh, Beijing or China-wide uh, dessert channels on uh, on WeChat. So if you want to 
you want uh, the contact, I can send that along to you and you can uh, enjoy the baklava as well. The shipping is like 27 quid. It took three days to get here because it was in the midst of the great COVID confusion of like, is it still a pandemic or is it not a pandemic? Turns out it's not a pandemic anymore. It's, it's just like the flu. Whatever, right? All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. December drumming coming up next. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stevenstrasky.com. We'll do this again. Bye-bye.